Hello, I am Takia Evans, your host, and welcome back, or if it's your first time, welcome to Out of the Box Sunday School. And as always, thanks for taking the time to listen in today, and our lesson is entitled Serving a Just God. The Bible background is from Job chapter 42. Our printed text is Job chapter 42, verses 1 through 6, and we skip over to 10 through 17. One way of refining silver involves a long process of heating it up until all other metals have been skimmed off. After the silver cools, it's reheated to remove any impurities. This process is repeated until there are no signs of anything except the silver. Like the psalmist wrote that God refines us like silver, but then brings us to a place of abundance. The Lord uses good and bad events in our lives to form us into the persons he wants us to be. Those events, both bad and good, refine us so that we more closely conform to his image. And in this week's lesson, we learn about the end of Job's incredible journey of instant suffering and personal repentance. We will see that by the end of Job's story, God was the center figure and focus. His sovereign character was confessed and his sovereign abundance was demonstrated. Job's response in this week's lesson follows a lengthy and pointed um, reprimand from God. God proceeded to ask questions concerning God, Job's knowledge and understanding of the world. After asking about Job's understanding of the observed world, God invited Job to provide an answer. In a response that mirrored his later reply, Job expressed that he could not provide answers to God's line of questioning and was in no way or no place to accuse God further. Job's response became even more pointed as he asked Job if he could disannul my judgment and condemn me, that thou mayest be righteous. God made it clear that Job, as a mere creature, was in no position to question the justice that can judgment of the eternal creator. God's response was not an attempt to belittle Job or to provide answers for Job's suffering and lament. Rather, God's intent was to show Job the limit of his understanding of God's purposes and plans. God's just nature will not be disillusioned, brought into question, or limited by humanity. So now we come to uh, our Bible verses, Job 42, and I'll read verses 1 through 3. Then Job replied to the Lord, I know that you can do all things. No purpose of yours can be thwart. You asked, who is this that obscures my plans without knowledge? Surely I spoke of things I did not understand, things too wonderful for me to know. So after hearing God's blistering reply, Job responded by saying, I know. Job's answer mirrored God's previous line of understanding Job's knowledge and understanding. So when God rebuked Job with his series of questions from chapters 48 through 41, he was not trying to embarrass or belittle him or give answers and for why Job was suffering. The Lord's intent was to show Job just how little he knew about God's plans and purposes. Throughout Job's troubles, he questioned God's sovereignty and justice, but now God had challenged Job to tell him where he was when he created the universe. And as a, re as a result, further questioning 
Job repented for questioning God's wisdom and he acknowledged God's great power. Job agreed with the truth that God had unlimited power, knowledge, and domain, as God had declared in his entire discourse with Job. But see here, Job had to realize that God is so powerful that no one or anything can prevent or stop his plans. Job wanted his suffering to end on his own timing, but he failed to realize that his suffering was meant for his good and God's glory. And again, Job had to admit that even if he didn't understand God's plans, they will still be carried out in his own time. So Job restate God's accusation and therefore introduces his own self-judgment. God's original question served as an indictment against Job for speaking of things he did not understand. Here in verse 3, Job admitted that he was guilty of trying to understand God's plan without having any real knowledge of him. He was speaking about God out of ignorance. And we see that Job admitted that he spoke out of ignorance previously. Job showed remorse for his words toward God. And now that God, that the Lord's uh, further challenge, Job willfully expressed that he misspoke of things he understood not. God has shown Job the extent of his power. Job now realizes that God's justice and providence were too wonderful for him to understand. But we should always remember that we don't have answers to everything. Just like 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 9 says, we know in part. So now we come to verses 4 through 6. You say, listen now and I will speak. I will question you and you shall answer me. My ears had heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. Therefore, I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. So God's previous imperatives of Job are repeated. Job was to listen as God would speak and to and speak to and condemn answers of Job and command answers of Job. Initially, Job declined to respond to the demands of God. However, Job's repentance of those imperative single signals Job's coming confession, repentance, and new perspective. So Job had to pretty much, he had to humble himself. He admitted that what he knew about God was just kind of like secondhand knowledge. He, he heard of it and he had heard about the Lord, maybe from other people. And this included what Job knew about the creation because he wasn't there to see it. But now after divine revelation from God, Job could say, but now mine eye have seen. He had experienced God's presence. The divine revelation of God caused Job to say here, wherefore I arbor myself and repent in dust and ashes. This speaks of Job's humility. It was God's revelation of himself that humbled Job. Job's vision of God was both overwhelming and humbling. The Hebrew word translated arbor here is used elsewhere to speak of God's judgment. Jeremiah chapter six, verse 30 and an individual's rejection of the word of the Lord, 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 23. Though a sense of rejection is implied in the word, the underlying Hebrew text is unclear as to what Job rejects. One little tidbit of information, the word myself is italicized in the 
King James Version, indicating that it was added by the translators for better understanding. The original text simply says, wherefore I arbor. This would mean that Job completely despised himself and was especially ashamed of the statements he had made, accusing God of not judging the wicked. And as a result of his humility, Job had a change of mind because he had a self-righteous attitude toward God when he received no answers from him concerning why he was suffering. The ash heap on which Job had been sitting had now changed from a refuge for an outcast to an altar for a repentant sinner. Verses 7 through 9 are not part of our printed text. However, in verse 7, God now speaks to Eliphaz about himself, Bildad, and Zephar. He tells them that his wrath is aroused against them because of the wrong words they had used, reflecting wrong attitudes. Their guilt is increased further when God compares their wrong words with Job's right words. Job had advised his friends not to speak to God for not to speak for God while judging him because the Lord would judge them. Now that advice was coming to pass. Job's friends correctly tried to defend God's justice, but they in incorrectly applied it to why Job was suffering. They spoke as if they knew God's mind. They saw God as a judge and failed to see him as a God of grace, love, and mercy, who in his sovereignty would use suffering for teaching purposes as well as punishment. Job had correctly argued that God would not punish the innocent unjustly. God's friend, Job's friends, had made the error of assuming that his suffering was caused by some great sin. They were judging Job without knowing what God was doing. They must avoid making judgments about a person because God may be working in ways he know nothing about or that we know nothing about. Then in verses eight through nine, God tells the three men to take seven rams as sacrifices and go to Job who will pray for them. God will accept his prayer, but not theirs. Until sacrifice has been made and prayer has been made for them and they obeyed his command. If Job hadn't performed this service as an intercessor, his friends would have been condemned by God. Job's friends would only be accepted by the Lord because he accepted Job. By acting as an intercessor, intercessor for his friends, Job was a type of price. Our lesson continues with verse 10. After Job had prayed for his friends, the Lord restored his fortunes and gave him twice as much as he had before. All of his brothers and sisters had, and everybody who had known him before came and ate with him in his house. They, com they comforted and consoled him over all the trouble the Lord had brought on him, and each one gave him a piece of silver and a gold ring. So before God restored Job, he addressed Job's friends and ordered them to sacrifice these burnt offerings. Job's friends followed God's directives, after which Job prayed for them. Then the Lord began the process of restoring Job. Job God released Job from the grip of his dire circumstances and brought an end to his suffering. Now, in the previous verse, we were told that God gave Job twice as much as he had before when we when he had plenty so now here some details of what was included in that twice as much are given 
he enjoyed renewed fellowship with his kinfolk. They returned to eat bread with him to signify a renewed fellowship. Their gifts of money and gold could have been seen as an honor, an act of honor and respect toward a restored Job. And additionally, these gifts could have been the means through which God chose to restore Job's economic fortunes. So you just never know how those blessings are going to come back to you. Now we're at the verses 12 through 17. They read, the Lord blessed the latter part of Job's life more than the former part. He had 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels, 1,000 yoke of oxen, and 1,000 donkeys. And he also had seven sons and three daughters. The first daughter he named Jamea, the second Keziah, and the third Karen Hapuch. Nowhere in all the land were there found women as beautiful as Job's daughters, and their father granted them an inheritance along with their brothers. After this, Job lived 140 years. He saw his children and their children to the fourth generation. And so Job died, an old man and full of years. So we see that the Lord doubled the amount of livestock owned by Job. God's act highlights the generous nature of his grace and blessing. Notably, the number of Job's children remains the same and cannot one cannot help but wonder why Job's estate doubled in size, but not the number of children. So here we can only assume that Job and his wife needed more time to have 10 more children. So that's kind of how that, that played out. So in verse 14, the name of Job's children are given. We don't know why only the daughter's names are listed and the sons are not. And it is not uncommon in ancient epics, however, for heroic or successful women to be named and granted a place of prominence. There is some debate among scholars whether Job lived to be 140 years old or an additional 140 years after he was delivered from his suffering. So the way the text reads seems to ind indicate that he lived an additional 140 years, which allowed Job to see his sons and his sons' sons, even four generations. That he lived to see four generations, meaning that he lived long enough to see his children, his grandchildren, his great-grandchildren, and his great-great-grandchildren. And our final verse says, Job died being old and full of days. The phrase, full of days, that means he lived a very long time. There is also a hint of living in peace in these words, which may indicate that Job lived until he was satisfied. So that satisfaction, that living at peace in the world and willing to leave it, not as in the days of his affliction, but godly. Job was a good example of Psalms chapter 37, verse 37, which reads, Mark the perfect man and behold the upright, for the end of that man is peace. What a way to go. What a way to go, Job. Sometimes we find ourselves in such a pit of despair, depression, and oppression that we wonder how God could ever free us. What would it take for God to convince us that he can really handle our strife? What would it take for us to truly believe that he will never leave us or forsake us? 
Would he need to turn water into wine? Would he need to pull a coin out of a fish's mouth? Would he need to raise the dead? We need to exercise our faith and use it as a shield to combat the lies of the enemy. God may not choose to appear to us in spectacular ways today in these times. However, we have made valid we have many valid meetings with him through his written word, and we would do well to take these meetings seriously. We must remember that because of our sin, we deserve only condemnation and eternal separation from him. But only through his grace and the imputed righteousness of Jesus Christ are we able to come before him. We must be careful about assuming we know what God is doing in other people's lives. We may try to help someone or people in their walk with the Lord with good intentions, but it's very easy to give our opinions about why this or why that is happening. We must recognize that we cannot understand the ways of God in our own lives, much less in the lives of someone else. God revealed himself to Job in a life-changing way. He demonstrated to Job that he is sovereign and not subject to the judgment of man. God responded to, to God. Job responded to God's revelation with humility. He repented in his accusation of God and was able to gain a new perspective about him and his problems. Many people like Job struggle with life's problems and need to take a mental glimpse of the sovereign God. When we see him as he is, we are better, uh, better able to cope with the trials that we face. Often when faced with unexplainable and challenging circumstances, we want answers and explanations for the reason for our suffering. So we ask why relentlessly, implying that answers will signify or show us that longing of our souls and explain what the unexplainable is. But a great salve for our wounded souls in an overwhelming vision of God in which his eternal presence and wise counsel become the anchor of our lives and guide us to whatever he might have next for us. We have to ask God to give us confidence to trust that he is just and worthy of full obedience. This is Takia Evans. I ask and wish and pray that you be blessed, take care of one another, and thanks for tuning in to Out of the Box Sunday School, and I'll talk to you next week.